0: So our sermon passage today, so C is from Matthew 2, 1 to 12, uh, the visit of the, the Magi, or as some people refer to it as the, well, it is the wise men. Uh, yeah, that's another kind of translation for it. That's what they were. Uh, today we're only going to cover the visit uh, itself. Uh, we'll refer a little bit to the aftermath. Uh, We're not going to go into uh, any detail of the uh, Herod's uh, response in in murdering uh, children. That would be for another Sunday. A little more upbeat there, huh? Yeah. So, um, let us uh, stand and uh, hear uh, from God's Word. And... As always, we, uh, we look to the Lord to, to guide us and direct us uh, as we look at any part of Scripture, uh, scripture even these just narrative passages, which uh, on the surface may not seem to, to teach us anything, just tell us a story, but as we know, they always teach us something about God, if nothing else. Matthew 2, 1 to 12. This is the Word of God. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, Gold, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again ask your blessing on our time together. Uh, Continue blessing. Uh, thank you so much for the blessing of just being in your presence and knowing that you uh, are here uh, in, in uh, with us in 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 your spirit that Jesus is uh, the true worship leader, uh, actually singing uh, with his people, singing uh, praises to you among the Gentiles. We do pray that the meditations of of our hearts uh, would be acceptable uh, in your sight uh, and the preaching of your word. uh, Not because of anything we have done, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, uh, who has opened the door for us to come in your presence. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Please be seated. So three things I want to cover in this today, just generally. Uh, and um, you've got the verses in front of you, but I'm going to go into the historical background of this passage a little bit because I think it is important That's something that we have lost over the years, that the people of, of the, that read this, especially the Jews, uh, to whom Matthew was originally writing, and in the, in the first few centuries would have understood the significance of the, the coming of these, these magi, these wise men. Uh, and then uh, we'll look at... My notes here, one second. Um, the, the second thing is the significance of their arrival. And then the third, the attitude of the heart we are to have from this, as we look at the, the attitude of, of the magi. So first of all, it, it, it actually said, this passage sets up the, the history here for us as we would th- think of it. It says, when after Jesus, Jesus was born in Jerusalem, in Judea, in the days of Herod the king." Now, Herod the king is Herod the Great. There's two Herods in the Bible. There's quite a few Herods. Herod is a common name, uh, but Herod the Great uh, was named king of. The Jews, or King of Judea, for a period of uh, of about uh, about forty years, um, maybe close to thirty-five. The the calendar we use, by the the, the calendar we use, the the dates of his um, being named King of the Jews was from about forty B.C. to about five B.C. Um, so Jesus was born five years before the birth of Christ, because uh, he was born in about about 6 BC, according to some calendars. Now, that's just that 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 has to do with something in the Middle Ages when they changed the calendar. So anyway, uh, but Herod died in 5 BC. Uh, he when he first became king. By the way, this is all under the Romans. He wasn't a a king on his own he was a, more like a governor a, a vassal king if you will well, he asked to be named king of the Jews his father uh, Arch- I think Archelaus uh, he had been named uh, governor of the entire region of Galilee and Judea and, uh, and before 40 BC and right about 40 BC um, he named his, his son Herod to be governor of Galilee this is probably think about 50 BC, and and about 40 BC, Herod has become friends with uh, the, uh, the Roman emperors. He became really good friends with Mark Antony, believe it or not. And Cleopatra, Mark Antony was his friend throughout his, his life. Uh, showing uh, just something I read just recently. This is not to do with this passage, but um, Cleopatra, you know, Mark Antony's you know main squeeze. Uh, she uh, had co- taken over parts of Judea during the reign of Herod and he did not object to it because he had such a fondness for Mark Antony. He had kind of allowed it. But there was a lot of intrigue with him taking over Judea. He had gone from governor of Galilee, which is the part in the north, this is remember, where the, Jesus lived m- most of his life, he was a Galilean, that's the part around the 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 Red Sea. Not the Red Sea, sorry, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and that's where um, he gathered his disciples from. They're all Galileans for the most part. You know, Peter was a fisherman and John and, and all those guys. Uh, Matthew, of course, was a tax collector. I'm not sure if he was Galilean. I think he was. But, but um, Herod wanted all of the area. To be king of. So he lobbied the Roman Emperor to allow him to become king. In 40 AD, he names him king. Problem was a country or, or an empire to the east decides to come in and take over Judea. And that was the Parthian Empire. Now that was the, the only other strong empire in the kind of modern power of that time to challenge, be able to challenge Rome. Rome really had no success in going any farther east from about Syria and, and Judea, uh, Israel. If you look at a modern day map, but you're looking at it going to the east. Um, the, the Parthians uh, had uh, a lot of, of what's modern day Iraq in all of Iran and into Afghanistan as their empire, so they had what was also called Persia. If you know anything about Persia, remember Babylon. Um, if you heard that, from, that's where Daniel went, uh, or, Dan, or the, actually the exiles from Judea were taken. There was two different um, uh, 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 exiles. Uh, the kingdom split the northern and southern kingdom of Israel northern kingdom became Israel, southern kingdom became Judea Israel was a part of Galilee to the north uh, and the Assyrians came in and uh, forgive me my timings uh, 700s uh, BC and, and took over the northern kingdom uh, God's judgment on them they brought a bunch of, of transplants from other nations uh, other peoples into that area and commingled with them uh, their, their philosophy was you dilute the power of the people and they ruled over them that way. And They put their own vassal king and their sub-king in there. Judea was different. Uh, uh, the Jews, the, the, the two southern tribes of, of, um, of Judah and Benjamin, which is now why the Israelites are called Jews, from the word Judah, the, the main tribe, Judah and, the, and then Benjamin, of which Bethlehem was part of that tribe. Uh, they Escape any kind of, of subjugation until the 500s, when they too had turned away from the Lord. That's the you know, the, the, the reason that these came in. The Lord promised them that if they did not follow Him, did not obey His word, and worship Him as God, and they would worship other kings, uh, I'm sorry, other gods, that He would send these enemies to take over the land. And time after time. Uh, These foreign countries would come in, sweep in, and take over the area. It was a crossroads. You remember the Galilee, uh, Judea? There were crossroads crossing uh, 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 the the trade routes from the north, uh, from modern day Turkey, uh, uh, down to uh, Egypt, and then uh, from Saudi Arabia. Up to those areas in Syria, across all the way—I'm sorry—looking at, I'm waving my arms to the to the east, all the way to Babylon and in the, in the areas east. And so it was a vital area of of commerce, and whoever controlled that controlled the commerce. So it was it was a, a well desired area. So the Romans obviously took that over as well. But prior to that, in the 500s, the the, the king of Babylon came and took over. Judea and exported the Jews in several deportations back to Babylon. They took their craftsmen, they took the the leaders, they took the, anybody that could help rebuild Judah or give them strength took them away. That was their philosophy. You don't delude them, you, you just you bring them in as slaves, you bring them in as artisans for themselves. Uh, if you Remember know about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, for example, he had a great building program—the great hanging of, uh, of uh, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the great wonders of the world. Uh, the, those they they were interested in bringing the uh, architects, artisans, and laborers from other places. So the Jews went there. One of the people that went there was Daniel, and Daniel fits into this very clearly. In fact, the Magi are. Related in some sense to Daniel. But here's the intrigue. Now in about 40 or about yeah, 40 BC, the the king of Parthia, which now rules Persia, decides he's going to take over the land of Judah. In I think it was in response to Rome trying to take some of his lands. So he takes it over and Herod gets kicked out. The, Jew, the uh, Romans come back about 37 BC. Take the land over again. Parthia decides they're going to give up. Give it up. There's an uneasy truce, but they leave there uh, a Jewish leader, a Hasmonean Jewish leader, one, one of the uh, the leaders of the uh, of the priest, the priestly, high priestly tribe, the Hasmoneans, to to kind of rule that area. Herod. He gets sent back by the Romans to rule that area. He murders this Hasmonean ruler and creates a problem between Parthia, this, this peace that they had with Parthia and, and Rome. So what you have now is, is a, a tinderbox of problems. Everybody's always on edge, but if Parthia is going to come back and take over this area. The reason I bring this up is because the Weissman almost certainly came from Persia. Here comes sweeping in <clears throat> to the capital of Judea, where the Herod is, is ruling as king, people from the country that had taken over previously. And these men, magi, it's the Greek word for, it's kind of magician, but it was also the word that was used of the, the wise men of, of Persia. Um, they were, the, if you know anything about Zoroastrianism, uh, they, they were astrologers, they were Zoroastrians. Um, they were, they were uh, diviners. They were the ones that we see mentioned in the book of Daniel, when Daniel, um, several times, has um, interpreted some dreams, first, first of all, of Nebuchadnezzar. And he interprets a dream, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, as a, uh, as a reward, names him, and it has a, your, your passage here, uh, actually, probably way ahead here. Um, in fact, let me, have, let me have one of the outlines here, because I don't have one. Thank you. In, uh, in Daniel 2, uh, 48 and then 5 it says, The king Nebuchadnezzar gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole prince of, province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon and made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and starlingers. That's who's coming here to visit. Now, why would they come to visit? is because over the, over the 500 intervening years, they had become pretty much the ruling class of Persia. They were the ones that, that everyone looked to, especially the rulers, to figure out where we should, what we should do, where we should go next. And more than likely, before, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on who the, the name of the Parthian. The Parthians were a race of people that had taken over the area. But before the Parthian emperor had had sent uh, troops over to take over Judea in 40 BC, he most likely had consulted these very men about whether the, the stars were lined up. This is the right thing to do. But there was more to it than that. They were known throughout the world as, as people who gave their stamp of approval whenever a new king came into power. They would, the people would consult the astrologers, is this the right king? And they would say, yes, is this is the right king. And they would actually bring gifts uh, and, and show their, their honor on behalf of the, of the Persians, but more likely on behalf of themselves, their approval that this was the king. There's been a bit some intrigue with these guys too, because over the years, they would come up with a, a something in the heavens and say, oh, uh, the, uh, we see a sign that there's going to be a new king of Persia. They're saying this while the current king is on the throne, hmm. and then uh, somehow coincidentally, within a, a year or two, uh, that king has mysteriously died, and a new king is in power. So it was—it uh, uh, was not just a stamp of approval. It—it it, it, it was more of—they had the power to make kings. Hmm. Some people have called them kingmakers. So. They weren't three kings coming in. And this is a period, a point in our our sermon where I or our Sam uh, blow up the your beloved Christmas songs. Um, they weren't kings, and there weren't three of them. We don't know how many there were, but they were king makers. Mm-hmm. So here they come into Jerusalem. And by the way, they we, we have this image of them. Um, Coming in through uh, the desert, just three of them, on their camels, and and loaded with gifts, and they come by night, and they're they're real quiet, and they kind of they kind of come silently into Jerusalem, and meekly into Jerusalem. That probably couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, and what we see is. And what we know from history is, they, with, especially with these gifts, they would have not traveled alone. There would have been a huge entourage. They were important people of the time. Uh, and again, from history, we know this because they, they would go visit other kings and pay homage to them in other places. But that's the point. They would go and pay homage to the king of the area. So for them to come into the, to the town, people who knew who they were, but it says that when they came in and, and asked for, where is he, king of the Jews? Uh, we have come to worship him. <clears throat> we saw, saw a star uh, in the east, literally. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. And come to worship him. People saw this. People heard this. They, left, they, they had a big entourage. More than likely, they also had at least a small army with them. Because they were going into hostile territory, and if you know anything about traveling in the, the Middle East back then, robbers were everywhere. And the, yeah, they were going through desert. There was long stretches of, of, of uh, open areas, and there were a lot of passes to go through. You had mountain passes to go through, uh, where people would hide out. And in, in, uh, uh, you know the, the story of the Samaritan. Is, is all about that the Good Samaritan about the the man who was uh, the highway robbers took everything he had. Well, so they're coming in. They're coming in, probably creating a big stir. Um, I can imagine the clouds of dust from the distances and people there. They're coming in with their their horses and their camels. They they didn't travel only by foot. So uh, this is a this is a big thing. and, and that word. For, it says when the, in verse 3, when the care the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. That's kind of an understatement. It's the word um, for stirred up. It's the same word that um, is used in different places. did uh, I have it in here for you guys? Uh, usually I don't have enough room to, to put all the verses. Uh, yeah, in, uh, it's on your second page, Matthew 14, 26. When the disciples saw him, uh, with Jesus walking in the lake, they 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 were, they, they were out in the boat and they, and uh, it was stormy and and the, the waves were 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 Ross, well, tossing the boat and they were really concerned and all of a sudden they see Jesus coming walking towards them. Uh, they they were, remember they were terrified. Well, that's the, the that's the word, same word that's used, terrasso uh, as is translated uh, disturbed. Uh, or troubled in uh, Matthew 2 verse 3 so it's a big thing and Jerusalem it says not just Herod's concern because of course king are coming in and not just saying we're coming to worship you we're coming to worship the king of the Jews not you Herod in a sense the real king of the Jews which is his title and the people of Jerusalem are, are stirred up because they're expecting a a Messiah. The word Messiah, we were here last week, Messiah is anointed one, which is the word that was for the king, that, that, that designated the king of Israel. So when we hear Christ the Lord, that word Christ is the uh, Greek word for a Messiah. So when we ever hear Christ, we really should be hearing King, King Jesus. That's... It's kind of foreign to ears. We I mean, we sing about King Jesus. We're so much more comfortable with seeing Christ Jesus, but it's literally that means King Jesus. Messiah means King. They were looking for a king that would help them get relief from the the Romans and, and anybody that would come into the area and subjugate them. And so there was and their their so called wise men of of Israel, which would have been the high priest and and the Scribes that that studied all the prophecies of Daniel and and the others knew that this was about the time that Daniel had prophesied that the king would arise and and give them relief. He was to be their savior, uh, their political rulers, they thought. So they're stirred up because they're thinking, our savior has come, our messiah has come. So it's a huge thing. So now we see... The stage is set. Now we see why Herod becomes murderous. Oh, by the way, Herod, when he murders these these children, two years and under, younger. That's not his first murder, by the way. He has already mur- murdered that the Hasmonean prince, so to speak, uh, the Hasmonean ruler that was left there uh, by the Parthians to take to kind of keep peace. It was kind of like a co-rulership. Uh, Romans had somebody and and. Uh, and the Parthenon send somebody, and Herod kills the other one, and now sets the area on edge. All right, so he's not just murdered them, he's murdered his his second wife. He divorced his first wife, she got lucky. Um, his he he ended up having uh 14 wives total. His second wife, Maryamne, may have heard of her in history. Um, and it towards the end of his reign, before this, here. Uh, he, has mur- he, he has gotten jealous of her. Uh, she has there's been a lot of palace intrigue where she's tried to uh, encourage others to rise up against Herod uh, and to put her son, her sons in place. Uh, so he murders her. He murders two of her sons. Out of uh, he had I think eight he either eight wives and fourteen uh, children by her them or fourteen wives and eight children by, by them. I think it was I can't remember. But he mur- murders two of them. We see two of his sons are still left at when he dies in 5 B.C. to to split the kingdom. I mean, this is all historical stuff. This this the other thing about scripture. This is based in history. This isn't just some stories made up to 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 show that Jesus is a mythical god like like the Greeks were made up about Zeus and and the. Uh, the, the the Romans uh, would have uh, their um, the chief of their gods Saturn no um, Jupiter was the chief of their gods. Uh, this is this is this is something that's grounded in history events that were grounded in history. And and so when these guys come there, th- this is the focal point of history. And that's another reason that the the we know that they were magi. The magi were the magi from Persia is because. They understood that this was the time of 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 the book of Daniel that the king of the Jews was to, to have risen. They, by the way, because Daniel was made the chief of the Magi, they had a strong affinity for Daniel and for his writing. So the book of Daniel was one of their, their main uh, scriptures that they read, the main things that they, they looked at, uh, their main text that they, they looked at to uh, uh, understand and unfold the events of history and look at the stars as astrologers. But they also had the writings of some of the other scriptures from when the Jews were deported to their, their land. And by the way, <clears throat> when the Jews came back, they were allowed to come back in several um, uh, returns. Not, it wasn't a whole lot that came back at a time. Remember, there's two main uh, waves of Jews that came back to Israel to rebuild the temple. They didn't have a lot of volunteers because it was going to be a hard thing. They didn't have a lot of support. So, most of the Jews, a good number of the Jews, stayed behind in Persia. And in fact, I think by this time there was estimated to be about a million uh, Jews still living in Persia. And it's very possible and probable that that some of these uh, Persian wise men were Jews themselves, or at least partially Jews. So, there's a lot of intertwining of the races. So, they're looking at and this king as the legitimate king not just for Israel, but for them as well. So, they've seen a star. there Now, what is the star? Um, again, uh, we get this idea of uh, star of wonder, star of night, star of the world, beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guided by the heavenly light. There's no sign in here that the star guided them to Jerusalem. I'll come back to that in a second, because the star does guide them to Bethlehem. All they did, they say, is we saw his star. This translation says, um, "When it rose, right? Uh, we started star when it rose, and have come to worship him." They saw, uh, by the way, that that uh, it's it's also translated we started the star in the east. They, we talked a while back in one of my sermons. We talked about the the um, Jewish words for, uh, or the the words in the areas for for. East, west, north, and south, all had to do with something that was a, a direction. Um, Negev for the Israelites, uh, south, which is really the word for desert, that, was kind of the, that was, became their word for south. Um, the word for north was the foam, which is the, the mountain <coughs> of the gods. mythical mountain of the gods was in that direction, so they called it in the north. The east was where the sun rose. So the word for rising became the word for east. So that's why you have different translations saying we saw when it rose or in its rising versus the east but it, yes they saw his star when they were in the east not in their east direction but when they were from the east when the, in the east we saw his star it's rising and we've done worship they knew when they saw this this uh, this star and we don't know and a lot of people when i say it's a conjunction of of a couple planets i think saturn and and jupiter uh, and the moon and and a bunch of the stars in one of the constellations where they all would come together a thousand years or so and create this really bright star and it would it would do this like three times uh, in a short period of time in a couple of months and and some people think because it happened around 10, seven BC when these conjunctions that 's that 's what they saw and and so they they came to worship but there 's no, nothing at this point that says they actually followed the star which now makes sense as to why the Sardines just led them to Bethlehem and why they came to Jerusalem. Why they come to Jerusalem? It's because that was the capital of Judea. That was the capital of the Jews. They would have come there because they assumed the king would be in, 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 in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so now we have the stage set. So forgive me for all that, that background, but you see that this is an this is amazing focal point of history. <clears throat> and this is what Matthew's getting at. This is, this is the, 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 Jesus is not just the Savior of Israel, he is the king of the nations that was promised. And it's being validated by the king of the nations that has come in and taking scripture from our back, and they would have understood it then, taken the scriptures and, and show that this is the right period of time. Everything that God had promised is coming true. So he's not just the king of the Israel, but he's also the blessing of the nation. I've got some verses in there for you. Um, we read some of them earlier in the in the in, the, um, in our first part of our worship, uh, showing the, that the king would would come uh, eventually. Uh, uh, that he would be the king of all the nations. Um, we talked about the star. Uh, the, that was uh, the, those were passages in the star uh, in the Old Testament that talked about uh, a. Kind of an kind of imagery of a star, that his star would rise. Uh, in Numbers 24, uh, Balaam, uh, the prophet who's tr- uh, been hired to curse Israel in turn blesses them and says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So the star meaning that it would be something that was uh, uh, heavenly. Uh, for example, uh, the, the, the stars were associated with the king sometimes. But the, the Magi would have taken these things kind of literally. There would be a star that would be associated with him. Um, uh, Isaiah 60, uh, there was a promise of the nations uh, coming to the brightness of, of, the, the, of the coming of the king. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you seek darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So, by the way, they would have represented kings themselves. They would have represented the king of Parthia. They would not have been able to make that trip, the Magi, without the blessing of the the Parthian king, the king of Persia himself. Uh, Not just his blessing, but his troops Uh, and the the gifts they bore were more than likely from from the, the king. Yeah, my my guess is he probably was happy to see them uh, go and stick a, a a knife in the side of of uh, Herod, because he had uh, betrayed the, the Parthian Empire as well. He had, had came up with an, an easy truce. He had actually broken the truce between Rome and Parthia, and then stuck it to them by murdering their 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 ruler. Um, but the whole point is all of, all of history, all of scripture is pointing to this and the Magi understand it. But now we have two responses, one we've talked about first. Um, <clears throat> but really it's that, that being disturbed, Herod and the people of, Israel, of Jerusalem, there's more to it than that. The, the response is, is anger uh, and distrust and a murderous intent by Herod. But the response of the people is interesting. It really is apathy. Herod does is a little bit of intrigue, which he he wouldn't have done. I mean, that, that fits in with Herod, where he's going. He tells them, "Hey, you know, go uh, <clears throat> go find out, find this Jesus." Well, first of all, he calls the, He calls the chief priests and, and the scribes, and has them uh, tell them, tell them where this king was to be born. And they know very well too. Remember, they're looking forward to this as well. And so they look at their scriptures, which they probably had had known about already. Uh, and it, and it says they uh, they told him, verse five in in Bethlehem of Judea. So it, for so is written, brother prophet, and you of Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so Herod summons the wise men secretly. It says, and and talks to them and finds out. First of all, when did you see the star? Uh, and realizes it's about been about two years, which. It, it, means that it doesn't mean it was a two year journey but it just took them that long to get everything together and, and come out and visit um, by the way it doesn't say that Jesus was born two years earlier that's another we don't know uh, so I will not blow up the the, the scene that you have with your uh, little um, manger scenes and, and the shepherds and the wise men all at the same time uh, a lot of people want to say that, that this is uh, that Jesus was a, a, a child at least around two years old and was in a house at that time, and so the wise men came, they didn't come to that manger. That's not necessarily true, because as we learned last week, um, Jesus was actually born in a house, in a manger in a house. Uh, he was a, there was a, a house, not a guest house, but probably one of his relatives, and it was in the area inside the house where they would bring in their, their sheep at night, uh, any of the livestock would come in and stay in the warmth of the house, uh, and they had a, a feeding trough there that was the manger uh, and the wise men could have seen this or the magic could have seen the star two years prior that that this conjunction or or a a a, a, um, uh, 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 a miracle a miraculous star something that wasn 't a normal conjunction of stars or planets or anything. Uh, and that um, uh, it appeared at the time, around the time of his birth, before his birth, and then led them to there, so he, they were there when he was born. Uh, so it, I'll, I'll, we'll give that to you. You can put your wise men, uh, three wise men, uh, around the, uh, around the, uh, the manger. Uh, but what we do understand is the star reappears. So this is why I tend to think that, yes, it might have been conjunction, but there's something else going on. Now the star appears and actually leads them. It actually stops over the place where they were staying. This is not something they just saw at a distance and said, oh, the kid, this has this coming. They, remember, they saw it. They hadn't seen it in a while, apparently. And it says when they saw the, uh, the star, when it's, Herod, Herod tells them to go try to find the, the child they see the star again, and it says uh, in verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen in the east, in its rising, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. With exceedingly, they they were were excited with exceedingly great joy. This is something they hadn't seen in a while. So I'm I'm not going to dismiss it as just being a conjunction of the planets, And 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 its constellation. This is something that we don't know. My my best guess is it was an an angel of the Lord, Uh, 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 because it it was the glory. It's with the glory of the Lord. It was something that God put in the heavens to literally guide them over there. Which would also make sense because. At the time of Jesus' birth, remember last week we saw the, the heavens were ripped open. We, they saw, well, no, first of all, the, the first angel appears to them and it says, The glory of the Lord shone around it. So when the angel showed up, it was a huge brightness associated with, with these angels. So it could have been an angel just in the sky that they were so far away that they couldn't see that it was a, a, an angel. We don't know. Regardless, God led them there. God brought history together. This is His doing no matter what Herod tries, the Parthian prince tries, or even the, 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 the Magi uh, try to ascertain, it was God that brought this to, to, into history. And the Jews know that, this is the other part about this, this first part, uh, this response, is apathy. What does it say? It says, um, the wise men tell him uh, uh, that he, the rulers come from Israel. There's nothing else said about the Jewish rulers. You would have thought that they would have been excited. They would have gone and tried to find him. They don't. There's apathy. It's like... So... so. We don't know why. There were a lot of Jews that we do know that were content with the status quo. They were content to live under Roman rule. There was a time of peace. Pax Romana, right? Um... It, you know, the devil you know uh, is the, the expression, right? You, you, you Yeah, this is not a great situation, but hey, it's better than alternatives we can think of. And so there was a lot of revolts of the, of the people of Israel, but there were small revolts. They were, there, were, there were people that, that didn't like the status quo, but there weren't a lot of people. Jesus comes to his own as king of the Jews and there's an apathy. Opposite of that is the response of the Magi. They put everything at risk to worship this king. They risk their very lives going into an area that's not under Parthian control, going to an area ruled by a man who is murderous, who is known to be murderous, and, and going up to his front door, in a sense, knocking on it, and saying, in, in a sense, where is the true king of Israel? Not you, Herod, but the true king. And saying that we have come to worship the true king, and, and by inference, We have come to put our stamp of approval on him being king. That's a sure recipe for disaster for them. But in the face of all that, they make this trip. And they go and worship him. So, worship is the other response. That's what I think Matthew wants us to see. Two main responses, rejection and worship. They go by uh, this this huge a huge personal sacrifice, and that's what the gifts represent. The gifts represent everything they have. They're giving the best of of themselves, the best of of Persia, the the best of the world, because the gifts they give them are from different parts of the world. Persia itself, Babylon, was a, a another crossroads of trade. Uh, um, the, the um, gold would have pro- most likely been from uh, uh, Arabia. Uh, I'm pretty sure the frankincense was as well. Um, um, when King, the Queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon, she brings tons of gold, because that's going to bring Africa is you where know, mo- most of the gold seem, of the world seems to be found. So what they bring is representative of not just themselves, but the nations. And, and so, and, and they don't bring these things, they, they, they worship him. And by the way, I've got two passages, one from Isaiah and one from uh, Psalm 72. Um, well, um, okay, it's Isaiah 60. By the way, this may be the reason the, uh, uh, the Magi brought uh, what they did, at least gold and frankincense, uh, Isaiah was one of the other scriptures that they had with them. They didn't have all the Jewish scriptures, but they had the ones that were written during the time of the exile. And, 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 and they, so I they had Isaiah as well. And so they, in Isaiah 60, he says, The wealth of the nations will come to you. All those from Sheba, um, and that Sheba is the, the south of uh, Arabia, uh, will, will come. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. I think they understood that their part in history was to represent the nations uh, represent the ends of the earth, because it was promised that this king's kingdom would be to the ends of the earth. but here's another point, kind of last point is um, well, let me ask you a question: what did what did the magi expect? in return for their worship. I mean, from, from the past, just think about it. What, what were they expecting? They're, they're bringing themselves, they're, they're great personal risks, they're bringing the wealth, their wealth, the wealth of the nations, in a sense, with them. Um, do they ask anything in return? No. They don't. It was enough to see him what they wanted was to worship him. They worshipped, and, and who did they worship? Did they worship a, a, a ruler who had, had taken over the region by force, who had consolidated um, uh, all the warring factions, who had brought peace to the, to the area? Um, did they, they worship a king who had, had proven himself uh, to, to be worthy of this kingship? No, they are worshipping a baby, a child. They're worshiping him for who he was, not what he had done. As a human, he had done nothing yet, except he had begun the fulfillment of prophesied salvation to the world. Worship was their goal from the start. Verse 2, we've come to worship him. To the end, verse 11. Going to the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. That worship that had been accompanied with great joy when they saw the star, they rejoiced, sitting with great joy. And it's worship that recognizes his greater nature, not just human baby, they bowed down. They, they, To bow down, to get his load, to prostrate on the ground, what, it, it was just a sign of submission when you bow before a king, you were lower. You would stay below eye level. And they bowed to him. They prospered themselves. We're yours. All we have is yours. This is the king that we are to worship in, this, in the same way. <clears throat> There's some things from, um, I've heard over the years from, from people kind of, for me, it's disturbing. Um, views about who Jesus is, who God is, by Christians. Recently, um, I've to some people, and this is not the first time I've heard this, I'm sure you've heard this too, We're angry, they were angry with God um, for not fulfilling their expectations. Whether, I've, I've heard it in a variety of circumstances, um, didn't get the job that I thought I was going to get, I was sure God was going to give it to me. Uh, that that man or woman, boy or girl that I fell in love with um, dumped me, and I was sure that that was the person for me. And why, God, why, why did you allow this to happen? Death of a loved one. I hear a lot. I was angry with God. I, I, I prayed, I prayed and, prayed and prayed and prayed and was convinced God was going to save this person, save my loved one, and he didn't. Why? And, and a lot of times they'll say, I was so angry with God. And sometimes they'll come back and say, you know, I I, I was angry, but now I'm okay. But rarely do I hear any sense of remorse for that anger. It's almost a thing nowadays in Christian circles to say it's okay to be angry with God. And I've heard this from a guy that I really respect as a, a, a teacher and preacher. Um, and, and I'm going to try to give him the benefit of it, but I've heard him say that same kind of thing, looking at the Psalms. The, Psalm, the psalmist often will cry out, my, well, Jesus quoted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, my enemies surround me. God, look in the, the Psalms of Lament. They're, the, my enemies—they're—they're—they're they're, they're successful, and I'm not. Here, I'm hiding in 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 a, in a cave, or uh, the, the the unjust people in the world—they're doing okay. They're succeeding, and and the and the just people, the righteous people that that love you, we're getting beat down. We're getting beat up. Uh, we're not we're not succeeding why god why god but you see the psalms of laments in the psalms and it's it's more of a a god where are you where's your justice why isn't it here yet it's not a god why haven't you given me the things i asked for why haven't you been my vending machine to give you what i want i put in the nickels or quarters and dollars i've done my prayers how come the door hasn't magically opened and I'd be able to reach in and get what I'm expecting? Why? And we get mad at God for that. It's because we don't have the perspective that he is king and he's to be worshipped for who he is. That's the solution. There's a couple of passages I put in um, at the end there. Through this and I, I'm, I'll close up here. I'm sorry it's have taken so long here. But... Um, Oh, one second. Did I not do two pages? There it is. Okay. There it is. All right. Um, it's the same attitude, remember, of the of the uh, thieves on the cross. The one thief um, mocks Jesus and says, "Yeah," or he says, "If he's the Messiah." It says uh, Luke twenty-three. He says. Um, are you not the Messiah? The King? Save yourself and us. This is my expectation, in other words. If, you're, if you really were God, if you're really the King, if you're really the Messiah, you'd be able to just come down off there and save us. You know, obviously you're not because you're not doing it. You're not fulfilling my needs. The other one, what does the other one say? What is the other one's expectation? It's nothing except to be with him. The other one said. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Two completely different attitudes of heart. One is they look to God or or, King, or Jesus as the answer to their prayers, and the other one is the answer to all my prayers. Let's see? 1 Peter 3, at first glance, might be odd to put in here, but I think it, it relates to this very kind of same sentiment. The sentiment of the Magi and the sentiment. And it's, it's a, a section where he's talking about being persecuted for doing what is right. Peter talks about this. And he's going to quote, um, and I believe this is from Isaiah, uh, he's going to quote a passage that, that talk, tells them not to be concerned, uh, not to be troubled when things aren't going right. They say, but set apart. God as Lord in your hearts, they told them, the, the, uh, the Israelites. Turn, to look to him for what he really is. But he applies this to Jesus himself. And he says this, but if you should suffer for righteousness sake, 1 Peter 3, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. The answer to difficulty, the answer to trouble, the answer to fear, in the, in the Old Testament, it literally is, do not fear their fear. Do not be afraid of what the, the world is afraid of. Be you, you are to be different because you have something different. And He says, but in your hearts. And the translation, of the ESV, is is. It's would it's not misleading. It's just not not the full understanding. It, it, it the um. The word there, it's it, the uh, New American Standard has it a little bit better. It says, in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. I mean, the word sanctified is set apart. Yes, it's used the word for holy, but it's a thing, something was holy because it was set apart for religious use. A cup could be holy. Uh, a bowl in the, in the te- a temple or tabernacle could be holy because it was set apart for that use. It was dedicated to the Lord. It's not, it's, it's, and, and we are sanctified. We are "hagias" is the word. We are holy... Called, we're, we're saints. That's another word for that. It um, sanct- comes from the word sanctified. <clears throat> because, not because of anything we've done, because we're set apart by God for his service to Him. He's saying you do that to God in our minds. We set Him apart. We set Him apart from everything else, from any of our other desires, from any other um, of means of hope. He is the true hope. He is the one whom we look for. It. He is the one that is that we worship because of who he is. Yes, he wants to hear our prayers. Yes, he wants to hear our, our desires. But, but it's the same kind of thing what Paul talks about in, um, in Philippians 2. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, uh, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says, yes, God wants to hear your concerns. Yet, don't be troubled. Don't worry about it, because you have someone that you can go to that has your best in mind. No matter so, no matter whether or not he fulfills what you prayed for, you can be assured that he will give you what is best for you and best for his kingdom. And that was the attitude of the Magi, even though they they took a chance to start another world war between two nations, and they would possibly lose their own lives and never make it back. They put everything in line because of who he was. That's the attitude we're to have as a people and as a church. If you can keep that attitude in your own heart, if I can keep that into my own heart, we'll be able to weather the storms of life. Whether it's facing death ourselves or or the, the, something just doesn't come to pass like we thought it would be or should be it's because of the king that loves us and by the way that even if the Old Testament was talking about um, the Psalms Psalm of Lament were kind of you know that not angry towards the Lord but concerned and, and, and basically the question was Lord where are you we have a king that has promised never to be apart from us Jesus says at the end of Matthew, framing this now, the king speaking from, the the king who who had come as a baby to be with us, says at the very end, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, he is king of the nations and king of heaven. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you, stating his kingship he says this, And behold, listen, in other words, I am with you always to the end of the age. We never have to lament, God, where are you? He's promised to always be with us. That happened at the cross. When Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had truly turned his back on his own beloved son as Christ paid the penalty for our sin, and Christ suffered the loneliness and dismay of being separated from God, from the eternal God, from the, His eternal Father, and suffered the pangs and agony, not of death, but of total separation from God, the bleakest darkness you can think of. He suffered that on our behalf, so we would never have to suffer that. We would never again have to suffer loneliness or loss because he is with us always. We have a king that is greater than our imaginations, greater than our desires, and fulfill the desires of our hearts when we understand the desires of our hearts are to be him and to be with him forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great promise to be with us. We've heard even today of, of different difficult trials that this uh, you know, small flock is going through an extended family and we, we do pray we, we beg of you to 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 heal uh, John from his uh, his cancer uh, to protect our, our beloved Goodrun from uh, yet another uh, stroke what a horrible thing to go through to be with Jen as she goes through uh, her her surgery and the, the problems she's fin- fin- facing and all the other Things that we face in life, the uncertainties of our, our jobs, uncertainties of the, the era that we live in this COVID, the uncertainties of a, an economy that could could, could um, blow up again at any any moment. So many things that we could look at around us uh, that would um, lead us to despair. Uh, but Lord, we do have a star, a star uh, of, uh, that was promised. We star to look at a uh, star of hope, uh, the star of Bethlehem, the, the star of the East, the 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 true King of Israel, uh, the star that would arise from Jacob, uh, Jesus Himself. Uh, he is uh, He is that guiding light, but He's also the uh, sign from you that you do love us and you are ruling and you have everything in control because you're ruling through Him, your beloved Son, who uh, suffered loss for us suffer the pains of death that we would never have to suffer that kind of pain uh, again and He's promised to be with us always help us to be a people that, that remember that set him apart as Lord set him apart as king in our hearts so that no matter what we face um, we know that uh, we can face it because you are with us you promise to be with us even through the valley of the shadow death, of death uh, you are a great shepherd and our great king and it's in Jesus name we pray